Hello, you're listening to the All Y'all Podcast. My name is Sarah Bear, And I'm Chris J. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. We are very excited to share another story from our most recent live storytelling event, Ladies Night. Chris, who do we have this evening? We have got Annie Mills, who has a wonderful story called The Last Time I Played Bridge. It's sort of an action-adventure movie um, <laughs> blended up with a romance, and it's really, really wonderful. We think you're going to enjoy it. Before we hear Annie's story, I want to thank our podcast sponsor and our live event sponsor, Holiday Lanes. Chris and I are always looking for something fun to do on the weekends, and usually at the top of our list is to go bowling. I love bowling. I'm a bowling fanatic, and Holiday Lanes has been kind enough to help make this season of all y'all live events and podcasts possible. So if you enjoy bowling or you're just looking for something to do, please support them uh, with your patronage and say thanks for all they do for our podcast. One thing that their sponsorship dollars has done for us recently is that we're recording this on a fancy new recorder, Chris. It's a Tascam DR40. It's got a stereo microphone. I'm sure our listeners are noticing that this sounds really great. I hope so, too. And that was made possible by by a wonderful local business, Holiday Lanes. So before we get into Annie's story, we uh, visited her recently, and she was so nice to feed us pizza, my favorite food. And we got to pet the Doug. Yeah, Doug is her dog. He's adorable. You might hear a couple of his footsteps in what you're about to hear, but we uh, we wanted to visit Annie and get a little bit of dating advice. Yeah, Annie is one of a kind. Hi, I'm Annie Mills, and I'm going to tell a story about a date gone horribly wrong. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm just an accidental human. <laughs> you know, I've just kind of wandered. I have, a, I have a traveling bone that I haven't really buried yet. I don't know if this is my last place to be. You know, having to move is like it was only because I wanted to move, and I just couldn't really get enough of life in one place. I, well, I lived in New Orleans for 15 years, and I feel like I fully experienced New Orleans. I'd really never lived anywhere except Shreveport that long, and um, because every four years or every two years, I'd want to move or change relationships or divorce or marry or whatever the reason was. It's been a long time since I've been on a first date or any other kind of date, <laughs> but I had a lot of them in the day. And um, all I can say is if a friend of yours wants to set you up with a friend of a friend or I know a guy, uh, you know, go out on a blind date because if you say no, you might miss out on something. Two, I had two blind dates. One of them ended up in a marriage six months later. And the other one I'd had, I, I actually met him first, but we went out uh, flying and we ended up in a plane crash. So <laughs> you just never know what you're gonna get. So I'd say, if you say no, you miss out. <laughs> I'm going to tell a story about the last time I played bridge, which they had bridge lessons here. I'm sure lots of women played bridge here. But um, it's 19, no, let's start over. I'm 26, and 
<laughs> and I've got a four-year-old child. I've moved back to Shreveport after a divorce, and I'm not dating. Dates are hard to find. My mother's worried that, you know, I'll never be married again. I was the first of my friends to get divorced. So it was a little lonely out there. So my mother said, now, you know, you ought to learn how to play bridge. Everybody's playing bridge these days. Young couples, that's what they do. They play bridge. They get together and they play bridge. And I just, that just sounded so boring. <laughs> you know, I'm more of a tennis club type of girl. So anyway, I did learn how to play bridge. And one of my sister's friends had a bridge and dinner party one night and asked me over. And sure enough, they had a single guy there, like probably the only single guy in Shreveport. You know, actually, things hadn't changed much since then. <laughs> but so we were par paired as partners. So we played bridge, and I guess I did all right. I just hated every sec second of it. But um, I was in for the long haul, so he actually got my number. And about a week later, he ran into me. I went to Albertsons, because I lived in those apartments right next to Albertsons. So I had just run over for something. I had cutoffs and a cute little halter top on, probably. <laughs> I was 26. <laughs> so um, he said, hey, um, you want to go flying? And I said, sure. He said, you know, I'm a pilot. I've been a pilot a long time. My parents have a plane. And I'm going, all right, this is great. <laughs> and he said, so let's just go now. And I said, okay. So I just, you know, bagged, put the groceries down, and we drove out to the downtown airport. And he rented a plane. I didn't know you could do that because his parents' plane was too big to fly around. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. So we got this great little Grumman American Two engines, four-seater, 3,000 pounds, 30 feet long, 40 feet wide airplane. And we go up. And we are going north from the downtown airport, and it's just beautiful. It's a pretty day. It's, you know, we're 1,500 feet up, going about 150 miles an hour. And I'm thinking, you know, this I've done pretty good. I mean, I'm on a date in an airplane. <laughs> My mother's going to be so proud. <laughs> so we're chatting it up and, you know, looking at the sights. And it's really, you know, north of Shreveport is timberland. It's forest up there. And we're, I'm just really proud of myself for scoring this date. And then we heard a sound. And it wasn't... I guess it wasn't a normal sound because he looked worried all of a sudden and stopped talking. And I'm like, oh, is something wrong? And he's going, I don't know. And he flips a switch and looks over to the right, flip, you know, looks over to the left. And I said, is there a problem? And he says, yeah, I think there is. And I'm going like, I'm on a date. I get, what do I do? And you know, I scream and holler. We're 1,500 feet up going 150 miles an hour in 3,000 pounds. And there's no electricity to the motors. And he you know, gets on the, the radio and starts talking to the tower in that language that only they know. But you know something's going on. 
And he's looking worried and worried, more worried, and just a few more feet, and then we're getting a little bit closer to the ground. We're below 1,500 feet. We're about 1,000 feet. And we're in the timberlands of North Louisiana, up around, I figured it's around Spring Hill. So he turns the plane around and starts heading back south. He's still on the phone, and he's still trying to flip the switch and flip the switch, doing stuff, and I'm going, Damn, I might never have another date. <laughs> and what if I'm maimed? I mean, this is looking serious. I mean, he's going, he's talking to the tower, and he's talking. I'm still thinking, it's really too far to jump, isn't it? <laughs> then you hear those two words that you don't ever want to hear in an airplane, or really anywhere else. Mayday, mayday. You know, growing American 25 to downtown airport. Mayday, Mayday, we're going to have to land off airport. Now, that's a real nice name to say we're crashing into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're getting closer to the ground and a few more feet closer to the trees and I'm beginning to look at trees in a whole different way. And he says, look for a place to land. And I said, well, my boat was the airport. <laughs> and so he said, no, look for a place to land. Mayday, mayday. And I'm going, shit, what do I do? You know, I'm just trying to be real nice and quiet and polite. And we're about to crash land in 3,000 foot plane, 3,000 pound plane. So he does what they call a flare and stall. And that means you're going on top of the trees and you get on top of the trees and he's about to just drop, drop down. And sure enough, we see this little clearing pretty far out, but he says he thinks we can make it and we're going, you know. The clearing has a power station at one end. There's a railroad track on one side and the highway on the other. Now we couldn't land on the highway because it's 40 feet wide, 30 feet long, and 3,000 pounds. And so we head for the clearing. He does the stall at the very tops of the trees. And we're brushing the trees and it goes right down into the, into the clearing. And I mean, we're going now about 90 miles an hour. And he's trying to stop so we don't run into the power station and that much weight going down on a field that fast is like landing trying to drive an airplane and the moguls in the mountains it is bouncing and crashing and there's metal sounds and you know I mean it is my seatbelt so tight I'm about to turn blue but I don't even know about that because it's just surreal that this is happening it really felt surreal then all of a sudden, the left wing hits a tree, turns us around 180 degrees, and we stop, nose down. I mean, from like maybe 70 miles an hour to nothing. And the nose is down, and it's quiet. So he starts turning everything off. He unlatches the hatch, starts turning everything off, and he looks over, and I'm not there. And he looks up and back, and I'm not there either. And he looks up, and I'm about 500 feet in front of the plane, hauling ass with my purse. <laughs> with
with my purse, which I'm famous for leaving everywhere to this day. <laughs> he said, I don't know how I got out of the airplane. He had to open the hatch another foot to get out of the airplane. And so it goes to catch me in my purse. And so we're standing there. Well, by now, there's been there are bystanders that have been listening to the radio from the airport and the emergency services and all that. And, and people on the highway, they're going, look, the plane in the field. And so the state trooper is the first one to reach us. And my friend has caught me by now and is going, you know, are you all right? We were fine. We were both fine. And the state trooper comes up to us and says, who is flying this plane? And I thought the bystanders were going to pummel him to death. It's like, God, he, they just crashed landed an airplane. Can you leave him alone for a minute? So anyway, he, he takes my friend aside and starts writing things down and gets his license and does all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm in this crowd of people going, what? That was a date going horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we get in the state trooper's car because we needed a ride back to the airport. It was awkward, silent ride. <laughs> so we get back to the airport, get in our car, and he takes me home. Bye. <laughs> so about a month later, he calls me and says, well, you know, I just wanted you to know they sold the plane for scrap. That's how bad it was. I said, yeah, it looked pretty bad. <laughs> and uh, he said, but, you know, if you have a fear of flying, we can go up again, and I'll be happy to take you. And I said, you know, I don't really have a fear of flying, but I have a fear of playing bridge. <laughs> so I don't want to ever go out again, and that was the last time I played bridge. <laughs> Is there anything that you left out of your story that you want to set straight? Mm, well, there is one thing. About a month later, he called me and asked me if I wanted to go out again. And I said, well, what I'd really like to do is go see if, you know, if I'm afraid of flying. And so if you would take me get a plane and would go taxi out onto the runway and if there's a point in the takeoff process where we could either take off or we could stop and not take off. I don't know if I'm ready to go flying again. I don't want to be afraid of flying but you know we did crash so <laughs> I'm kind of I'm a little gun shy about that so anyway if I would appreciate it and he I said so would you do that? And he said, if we get in an airplane, we're going to go up. And I said, whether I want to or not? And he said, yes. And I said, I never want to see you again. This date is over. But that really troubled me. <laughs> really? Really, really it did. So you guys never talked never, ever again? No. Wow. When I worked for the United Way, I called him and solicited money. <laughs> Today, remember me? Wait, wait, wait. Did he donate? Yes. <laughs> he remembered. So I never played bridge again because he wasn't going to acknowledge my wish to whether I would go up in the airplane again or not. 
If you had gone, would you play bridge again? I'm still never going to play bridge again. It's boring. I don't care what they say. <laughs> if it's good for my brain or not, I don't, I'm not playing bridge again. Yours is probably the only bridge game in history that's ever ended in a plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. Um, don't forget, we've got our next live event, Brush with Fame, coming up on June 6th at Shreveport Little Theater. Uh, tickets are on sale now, and I think, Sarah, we've got less tickets this time than we've had in a very long time. Yeah, the Little Theater is little. It's a smaller venue than we've been to in our most recent events, so we want to make sure that you get your tickets ahead of time on our website. That's allyallblog.com. Buy one for yourself, buy one for your friends, buy one for your mom, buy one for your dad, and and do it soon. We, it makes us really happy to see ticket sales happen. Shreveport Little Theater has been really great partners on this, and we want to say thank you to them as well. That is one of the, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's the second oldest continually operating community theater in the United States of America. So thank you, Shreveport Little Theater. And thank you for listening.